This is Shelby Hansen, and you're listening to episode 32, How to Have Hope. Welcome to the Creating Your Beautiful Life podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Hansen. I'm an invisible illness warrior, kidney transplant recipient, mom to four, and life coach for people who have gone through incredible health challenges. On this podcast, I teach you how to move forward from difficulty and disappointment into joy and abundance as you take charge of creating your own beautiful life. All right. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. All right. Welcome to the YouTube channel. I am so excited to have you here today. So today I wanted to talk to you a little bit about two aspects of things that I've been studying. I've been having a little book club with a friend of mine and we've been reading from Brene Brown's Gifts of Imperfection. And we were reading one of the chapters and it just struck me how important this was for the people that I work with and the clients that I have and how it might help you too in whatever capacity of a challenge you might be going through, or you may have already gone through it and you want to reframe it a little bit differently too. So today we're going to be talking about resiliency and also hope. So when I was back in my grad school days of studying communication disorders back in the day, a while ago, um, I would study these communication, uh, these communication disorders in children. I studied a lot about resiliency and what helps kids and people to come back after challenges. So it's this, these protective factors that help people to bounce after they've gone through something challenging. And there may be somebody in your life that you know that you're like, Oh, they're such a resilient person. And. Brene Brown in her book talked about some of these protective factors that people have that help them to create this resiliency in their life. And so part of those protective factors, she said, were that they are really resourceful. They have good problem solving skills. Um, they're more likely to seek help. They hold the belief that they can do something that will help them to manage their feelings and to cope and that they have a social support available to them. And the last one is that they are connected with others, either friends or family. And so these are all good and healthy and happy to know. But one of the things that she found out as she was doing a bunch of the work to do the interviews for the people that she was looking at their lives and their stories for this particular book was she noticed that part of these protective factors that helped people to be resilient in their lives, to be able to overcome seemingly insurmountable challenges, was that they had this core spiritual spirituality. Was that they they were protected? <laughs> let me let me go back. Okay, according to the people that she interviewed, the very foundation of the protective factors that I just told you about was the things that you know those things that make you bounce was their spirituality. And this kind of shocked me because I feel like we do live in a world where spirituality is maybe not as valued as it maybe was in the past. And I'm not talking about a certain theology. Um, 
I'm just talking about this ability to believe and that there's something bigger than yourself and that that, and actually I'll just read her quote because it's puts it beautifully. She says, spirituality is recognizing and celebrating that we are all inextricably connected to each other by a power greater than all of us. And that our connection to that power and to one another is grounded in love and compassion. Practicing spirituality brings a sense of perspective, meaning, and purpose in our lives. So I thought that was so fascinating. This was something that she kept finding over and over again in these stories of people that were living these wholehearted lives was that they were grounded in this spirituality. And I can tell you too, after my transplant experience, it was fascinating how connected going through something so challenging helped me to feel to a community of people that maybe I hadn't seen in a decade or that it was a friend of a friend that was saying a prayer for me. It it helped me to really feel grounded and connected in that love and that compassion, even though I was going through something really challenging. So recently I met up virtually with two different kidney transplant recipients and they are people that I would call highly resilient. One of them's a school teacher in Texas and the other one is a kidney disease advocate. And both of them described an experience of surrender and trusting in God during some of their most challenging times. And it was so funny because I I heard both experiences within just a few days of each other. And it reminded me of experiences that I've had that really being able to surrender and to draw on that spirituality, that connectedness of everybody around us, that really was a turning point for them healing both physically and emotionally, and also for me too. I'm a deeply religious person. And there was a time when I chose to surrender my plans for God's plans. And it wasn't easy, but it felt right at the time. And so it's just fascinating to me that this is being validated in science. It's being validated in so many people's lived experiences. Okay. So there is a meme going around that I've seen, um, and maybe you've seen it too, I might link it in the show notes, um, about people saying like, I don't want to be called resilient anymore. And I do feel that. I feel that really deeply because if in my mind, and probably in a lot of your minds, if you're resilient, it means that there's a lot of things that you have had to overcome. There's a lot of challenges and we get sick of always having those challenges. So the meme says, I dream of never being called resilient again in my life. I'm exhausted by strength. I want support. I want softness. I want ease. I want to be amongst kin. I'm not patted on the back for how well I take a hit or for how many. And so there is something to be said about wanting, about being able to take a rest and to not have to keep taking those hits over and over again. And I know personally for me that so many of those hits that I was taking, well, so many of them were my own thoughts about the situations that I was experiencing and that I was in. Now, especially some of those thoughts were, why can't I be the mom that I want to be to my kids? When I got diagnosed with kidney disease, I had a, ooh, how old were they? Mm, My youngest was about two and a half at the time. 
And so I'm like, so two and a half, probably five and seven. So that's how old my kiddos were when I first got diagnosed. And I had been super exhausted. I had a lot of fatigue at the time and I didn't really understand it. I just thought, oh, this is just like tired mom life. I didn't realize that an organ system was failing in my body. And during that time, I didn't want to have to overcome that. I just wanted to not have that challenge. And I also had these thoughts like, why can't I just be healed? I exercise. I eat really healthy. I I live this healthy lifestyle. <laughs> it's so funny now looking back because yes, I did the outside version of living a healthy lifestyle. I did all those outer actions, but my inner world was a complete disaster area. I was stressed to the hilt all the time over things that I really didn't need to be stressed out about. And now I look at them so differently, but I had to be resilient and keep overcoming those challenges of these thoughts. And it seemed like for a great while that there was always another challenge right around the corner. Even after I got my transplant, I felt like I that the transplant would heal a lot of things. I knew that it would be difficult, but it wasn't as challenging as I thought it was. It was much, it was more challenging than I thought it was going to be. And so I really resisted getting a transplant, but I believed that things would be better after I got one. And for a long time afterwards, it didn't get better. I had what is called a sleepy kidney. I had delayed graft function for a long time. Um, I didn't go on dialysis, but I was feeling the effects of being very close to going on dialysis. And I got much sicker after my transplant until I started to get better um, several weeks later. And then six months after my transplant, I was hospitalized again for a virus that my kidney gave me. <laughs> and then six months after that, I was hospitalized again for catching a um, a mystery illness that ended me ended up with me being in the hospital. And it ended up being a parasite that I had caught from taking my kids to a water park. So by the end of October 2019, I was really sick of being resilient. <laughs> I just wanted this pattern of something challenging coming and me having to overcome it. I just wanted it to stop. But what I really wanted was to stop feeling scared all the time. I wanted to stop feeling terrified that this was going to end my life, that I was going to be closer to dialysis. I wanted to be to stop feeling scared of what was going to happen next. And I did because I was willing to learn how to become friends with fear and do that while saying yes to my dreams. So I stepped out of that last hospitalization in the evening and they discharged me from the ER and I was able to go to one of my very favorite band's concerts that very night. And then I started work the next morning. I was out late an hour away at the concert. And the very next morning, I started my very first day as a speech language pathologist after being a stay-at-home mom for over 10 years. And I started saying yes to those inner desires, that dream that I had for my life. I stopped fighting for my excuses. And I started to see this possibility that I could have these challenges. I could feel the fear and I could start to really go after my dreams and what 
my inner desires were calling me. And part of that was that they were calling me to want to go back to work and want to put something out into the world that was really bigger than me and to help people on a different level than I had been helping them. Okay. So, and it's, while things haven't been so severe, thanks in part to sheltering in place with COVID-19, this whole pattern was the beginning of me saying yes to the desires of my heart and to where I really wanted to go because it ultimately led me to transitioning to life coaching, which is where I'm really happy and where I really want to be. So because um, I, so how did I do this? How did I transition from this resilience and always overcoming and always feeling terror and like learning how to feel the terror? Really, it came down to this one concept of learning how to have hope. Now, I believe that hope is an emotion, and I think that it's a very useful emotion. Just like last week, we were talking about indulging emotions versus allowing emotions. Um, we can generate emotions, and hope is a really good emotion to generate. Brene talks about hope, and she doesn't talk about hope as in something that um, as it, as hope being an emotion, she actually talks about hope being a thinking process. And in this process, she says, or a cognitive process. And she says that in very simple terms, hope happens to be when. And it's really cool because it's not only says what the, what the thinking, what the process is, but the thoughts that help to create hope. So listen very carefully. So hope, um, Hope comes up when, one, we have the ability to set realistic goals. And the thought for that, so that would be the action, being able to set a realistic goal. If you go back to the self-coaching model, um, whatever the the goal is, that's our dream, our desire, that's our circumstance. And then we have this thought. This is a thought that she gives. I know where I want to go. That thought creates hope the emotion of hope. And then from that emotion of hope, it creates the action of being able to set realistic goals. And then all of the action steps that you take in those realistic goals in order to create the result of having that goal achieved. Okay. The second thing for hope is that we're able to figure out how to achieve these goals, including the ability to stay flexible and to develop alternate routes. So Part of when we look at that component, placing that in the self coaching model, being able to figure out how to achieve those goals also goes in the action line. Staying flexible stays in the action line. And it comes from that emotion of hope and thinking. Here's the thought that she gives I know how to get there. I'm persistent and I can tolerate disappointment and try again. I just love this so much because here we go. We have the answers. Here's the thought. When I believe the thought, I'm persistent and I can tolerate disappointment and try again, generates hope for me. And then I, in my action line, I am flexible and I am able to open up my mind and to think about different ways to get that outcome that my heart is desiring. Okay. Last one is uh, we believe in ourselves. And it's so funny because you might think, oh, I believe in myself. That's a thought. And it can be. You could put that in the thought line. But it's also an action. Believing in yourself 
is an action you take and it's an action you can take every single day. So, and the thought to, to create that belief of, um, I believe in myself is I can do this. And I love this so much. So we've got the, this circumstance, whatever your goal is, say your goal is to, um, lose five pounds. Okay. Got that goal in my circumstance. I have this goal. It's a fact. It's neutral. And then when you really generate this thought, this intentional thought, or if it's unconscious, really be, um, just feeding into that unconscious belief of I can do this. It can generate several, um, feelings, but one of them is hope. And then as you have that hope that creates that action of believing in yourself, taking the steps forward that you need to and um, and then also creating the result of getting closer to your goal or achieving your goal of losing the five pounds because of the actions you've taken from feeling hope. So that's why I just love hope so much. I love that hope is, it's so funny. I've, I've heard the quote before, hope is not a strategy, but Brene is like, actually, like it's totally a strategy. Hope is a strategy because we so often will get, we'll let fear take over. We'll be scared and we won't know what to do next. And so hope is one of those beautiful emotions that actually brings us closer to where we want to go. So here's those four thoughts to generate. If you want to be feeling some hope today, if you want to feel hope today, here is what to start going all in on believing. I know where I want to go. Even if you don't, like once you start asking, where do I want to go? And then really believing, I know where I want to go, there's hope. So number one, I know where I want to go. Number two, I know how to get there. I'm persistent and I can tolerate disappointment and try again. And three, I can do this. All right. I hope that that has helped you with being able to generate a little bit of hope today. As much as I talk about allowing and processing the negative pieces, the so-called negative parts. There's no negative emotions, but some more of those uncomfortable feeling emotions. It allows room for some of those more fun emotions. And I feel like hope is one of the most fun emotions that you can generate. Okay. I hope that you have a great day and I will see you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you're looking for a life coach to work with, What are you waiting for? Let's get coaching together today. I hope you have a wonderful week as you take your power back on creating beauty wherever you go.
Have you had a kidney transplant and you are struggling with what to do now? I have the perfect program coming out. It's called How to Thrive Post-Transplant. We're going to talk about how to come to peace with your past health. That includes your diagnosis, your transplants, your recovery, and this new normal life that you're living now. We're going to talk about healing your relationships with your family members, with your friends, with your body, with yourself. And then we're going to talk about how to define your success. You get to define it. It gets to be whatever you want it to be. We're going to create new goals and you can pick any place to create a goal. It can be something with your physical, with your physical health, spiritual, emotional, financial, intellectual, educational, social, your hobbies, or a business. If if this interests you, come along and I am ready. If this interests you today, hop on a call with me and let's get going. I'm so excited for what you can create through this process.